internet and welcome to the transatlantic podcast uh, a podcast about transgender topics we talk about them across the pond i got that wrong but that's okay we're just going to carry on we're going to go with it um my name's kat i'm a british trans woman who are you i'm luxander and i am a transmasculine genderqueer american yes that yeah. is who you are. Um, as always, when I do the introductions, these gets a bit muddled. I apologize. Um, my voice is also kind of dead because I was at a conference in Leicester last week and there was a lot of drinking. And uh, I've lost most of my higher range. So there we go. Trans problems. Um, yeah, hashtag trans problems. <laughs> hashtag girls like us. Oh, that was a thing. Yeah, that was kind it of a still nice is. <laughs> I was just still going on. Uh, yeah, it happens. Uh, oh, I like it. Okay. Um, so this time, we're actually going to answer a question. We got a question from a listener, which Ooh. is a first. And appropriately, the question starts first in all caps, which <laughs> I enjoy. Um, <laughs> in full disclosure, this is someone I know. So, um, yeah, that might paint how I reply to them. So don't if, if I seem like I'm being overly familiar or something like that, that's because I know this person. So don't think that I'm just very rude, even though I kind of am. Um, so, the qu- so the question is, um, I'm having trouble distinguishing between what could be dysphoria and what could be hating my body in general. I guess this could be common because a lot of people have body issues, whether they're trans or not. And it may not always be the dysphoria. I know you touched on this topic. Could you talk a bit more about it? Smiley face. Yes, we yeah. could talk a bit more about yes, it. Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of the plan um, I guess initially it is quite difficult especially like before you come out to yourself um, a lot of the uh, the, dysphoric, the dysphoric feelings I guess I'll, I'll kind of put, put aside and just assume it's because this thing is wrong with my body or that thing is wrong with my body um, I know when I was um, I used to, well, I had a couple of moments like that um, so when the first so I had times when I go into the changing rooms and I just like look at my reflection and just cry and I don't, and could never work out. I still can't work out whether that was because like I was just fat and I didn't like how I looked in the mirror, or it was because I didn't look like what I wanted to look like in the mirror. And I would have been fine being a fat girl, which I probably would have been. But it's really hard to tell and hard to separate. Um, Lux, you're someone who's to deal with depression as well as this. You probably have some good insight on this. Uh, yeah, I. Okay, distinguishing between dysphoria and body hate is. I don't know if it's something that I necessarily have firsthand experience with as far as, like, hating my body goes. Uh, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I briefly went through a period of time when I first was finding out that I was trans and, like, having those feelings and things pop up. Like, that was during, or I guess it was sort of midway through puberty 1.0. Um, yeah. And I did have, like, intense body hate but I it was intrinsically tied to my dysphoria and like my dysphoria has gone down just considerably and I kind of just don't pay attention to this fleshy prison that I'm in a whole lot like <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of fat right now like not like fat fat but I'm like a little bit chubbier than usual and I'm not like hating it I'm not happy about it but I'm not hating it either so I don't know I don't have that particular thing I guess and the question is like how would you how did you know that it was tied to your tied to your gender issues and not just general body uncomfortableness with your form? Uh because I had 
internet resources to talk about it and figure it out pretty quickly. Like, I don't, I started at noticing like weird internal feelings of like, I don't feel like a girl or like not being like not being a person who wanted to have an adulthood that was a womanhood. So yeah, it, it was like that was happening in my brain. And at the same time, I was like, there's specific parts of my body that I just suddenly feel awful about having or not having in some instances. Uh, so it, it like it came as a package deal. Yeah. So yeah. Distinguishing yeah, between can... dysphoria and regular old body hate depends on a lot. Like it depends a lot on what g- went what went into the person's brain to make them hate their body in the first place. Like there's so many yeah. influences. That's the thing. Like why do you hate your body? I guess is the question. Um, and there's going to be multiple reasons for that. I mean, there's a lot of societal influences on that and stuff as well. What the thing I'm thinking of right now is what you how the easiest way to distinguish i suppose is to find cis people with similarish sounding body issues and see if their feelings are the same um yeah it depends on <sighs> what part of your body you're dysphoric about like i mean, i know people can feel bad about being fat because uh they don't fit in their clothes the same way the clothes don't look as good on them as they used to um but that's different from like hating the way that t-shirts look on you because your chest is like not supposed to be there as far as your internal brain body map goes you know what i'm saying yeah like yeah 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 i guess so you have subjective. to look, look at it from yeah you look at it from a new look at it from a new perspective i suppose and try and work out what the source is this is the thing though like i feel like when you growing up like i had a lot of people i just assumed that my problems were the same as everyone else's and when you ask your friends like oh don't you just think you wish you were a girl all the time and they go no that is a surprise <laughs> and i saw that's why i sort of thinking in that way like not like so other other people like cis people don't tend to wish to be of the other gender um and if you look at say if you're jealous of other people's bodies, say, which a lot of people who hate their bodies are, um, you could look at why, why you're, je- who you're jealous of and why. Mm-hmm. So if you're jealous of, like, say, if you're, like, say, tra- leaning towards tra- a trans-masculine identity and you're jealous of, like, a lot of men's bodies, may, that's a, a stronger, stronger indicator that you might be trans. If you're, like, envious of a lot of, say, women, cis women's bodies who just happen to look fairly on the masculine end of the spectrum, that could also be a pointer. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's also eh, there is also pathological um, things aside from gender dysphoria. Like, like there's different there's different pathologies than just gender. As far as like having body dysmorphia issues, like there is like body dysmorphic disorder itself which is like it, it it exists independently of gender and it's a disorder because it, it it's actually sort of tangentially related to OCD it's like on the um, obsessive compulsive spectrum um, and it's distinct from anorexia which I, I do think that this is something that we'll talk about here in a minute like that eating disorders are also part of this um, yeah but body dysmorphic disorder is like, you it 
affects about 2% of the population. It starts during adolescence usually. Um, and it's basically just like when you are fixated on, I think it said five to seven specific body parts. And you just have like an illusion in your mind that it looks different than it physically does in the real world. Or like yeah. your flaws are being overblown in your mind. So like there is an actual diagnosis for that um that it, again exists independently of ge gender dysphoria so if you're having problems like that that's something you could seek treatment for although it's not easy to treat because it's kind of a newly it's like it's a newly addressed thing so that they yeah. don't know how to address it quite yet I had a friend back home who had um, who used to have that used to have um, body body dysmorphic disorder. I think a lot of people when they hear gender dysphoria is what they assume that's what it is. But the difference is like body dysmorphia. If I'm right, which I could very well be wrong about, it is sort of like it's delu it is a delusion. Like you see yourself differently than you are. Whereas gender dys dysphoria is different. It's like a it's a discordance with between your mind and your body. Like there's a feeling of dread and that something's wrong. Whereas um, body dysmorphia is it treats the, the brain the brain acts differently in that case I, i'm in, interested you brought up eating disorders there because it does sound like when you describe stuff like that it does sort of pick on the sort of picture people have of anorexia of people who like see themselves as much fatter than they are and if you know like where the line is there yeah it's um it's tough to distinguish because you're right that I, th I think some people with eating disorders might have some body dysmorphic type things going on in their mind, but... Tendencies, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I know that eating disorders are kind of parallel to obsessive-compulsive things anyway, um, but BDD, like, has comorbidity with... Um, like extreme behavior such as like spending three to eight hours a day examining the supposedly faulty parts of their body um it like basically bdd can result in behaviors that look like eating disorders like frequently checking the mirror or avoiding the mirror uh changing outfits um picking at skin excessive grooming restrictive eating and you know a lot of the same feelings about low self-esteem, shame, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's like a s entire thing. It associates with social anxiety disorder, depression, and social avoidance. It's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, these are all, like, the mental health doesn't need to be talked about so much more. And we know this, and we talk about this, but... Yeah, the, 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 the worrying thing to me about this conversation is that we should know more about it, you know? Like, with the physical illness, like, especially when, like, as, well, things as well known as, like, body dysmorphic disorder and, like, and and um, anorexia and stuff like that. You think, given how well-known they are, that the symptoms would be more well-known? Like, how many fucking physical illnesses could you roll off the top of your head and list some symptoms of? It's yeah. Nuts. And be reliable about it. Like, I hate when people... I hate that so much, like, professional language about mental health has bled into regular conversation. Like, calling someone a narcissist. Like, narcissistic personality disorder is a thing that exists. Like, being... It's just weird. Like, being high and mighty on yourself 
like that colloquial definition of narcissism kind it like distracts from the fact that there is actually like a brain flaw that we have pinned down and that thing that we pinned down is called you know uh, yeah it's at so the same weird. time though like if you if you need if you need a word for that sort of thing like one of the guys like other we change one of one or the other and it's much easier to change a scientific term than to stop the general public co-opting a term to use for another thing yeah which is why like uh multiple personality disorder is called a uh, dissociative identity disorder now or maybe that's not why but it's just one example of I think that reason, wanted. though, was was more because multi-personality is sort of an outdated way of looking at it, and it implies um, symptoms which it doesn't really have. Um, also, a lot of people in the public seem to think it's the same as schizophrenia, which is not. That's yeah. a completely different thing. Um, going back to the topic at hand, though, like I feel like when you're looking at your body and you're feeling... <sighs> there is a distinct feeling, I think, between... I guess it's not that... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to phrase it in a way that doesn't downplay how confusing it is. There is a distinction between disliking your body and feeling dysmorphia. Now you can... Dysphoria. Ooh, I've done it now. Um, dysphoria can cause you to hate your body. You can hate your body for other reasons. Um, I think it's easier to find a way around it. Um, find ways to think about it otherwise. So... Uh, uh, like how willing are you to transition is that like so was that the first thing you think of was like I, I could solve this body issue by transitioning like if you think that your body would be like say like say you've got like a you're a f like assigned female at birth or something and you th and you look at your body issues and you think this could be solved by going on testosterone and looking more like a man I feel like that's sort of indicator and there's a test that people seem to put on reddit all the time Not I'm not sure how good a tool it is but there's sort of this question that people that they that they ask and ask transgender and stuff when, um, when like a new person comes in and says, does the long eye am I transposed? Because people do that a lot. People panic when they sort of figure these things out. And it's sort of it's this thing that basically asks, would you press like if you had a button in front of you, and if you pressed it, you would be, um, I'm gonna get this wrong now. Shit, <laughs> I'm so prepared. <laughs> no. It basically, like, if you could press the button and wake up the opposite sex tomorrow, would you do it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, like you, you expect people to hesitate more if they assist, I think. Like, if you, like, if you, like, nothing changed and everything in your life is, like, all the stuff you like is still there, but you just be the opposite gender, would that, would you do that? Like, yeah, I think that's, that's a pretty that's decent a, litmus. Yeah. Obviously, it's not going to work for everyone. And, you know, people throw around the null hypothesis article by Natalie Reed and stuff. And that's a good indicator for people because people just assume, I think, when people go into these things and start questioning it, obviously the default is that you're cis, the null hypothesis is that you're cis. Um, and people don't, people don't consider that, trans, that being trans is an option. They, they have to throw out all the other options. But maybe we should be in an, in an environment where people consider it more and consider it earlier. Like, that's the reason why gatekeepers exist in so much of, like, say, the NHS and even the whole place in America, is because because they're like, oh, no, we need to solve this, you need to solve this, solve this problem with yourself, and maybe if all those are dealt with, maybe, just maybe, you might be trans. Like, like when they kick people out of the gender clinics and stuff for being depressed because, like, oh, it could be your depression. Come back when you're not depressed. Um, yeah, like, being trans is the worst-case scenario or something. Exactly. So I guess it's, it's easier to put it off and say, oh, it might be something else. Um, 
another thing I guess you could do is if you can work out what areas of your body you're uncomfortable with, if there are like say exercises that you could do to like sort of um, improve that area, improving scare quotes because obviously it's subjective. What's an improvement? Yeah. Um, but to be what would work in your mind, it would if that helps or doesn't. Like lots of people, this could also backfire. Like a lot of people, uh, especially um, MTFs in scare quotes, um, had like before they transitioned, like basically had this big backlash to it and thought like, oh, I hate my body. Uh, I'm gonna work out, get really muscly and toned, and then I'll really love it. And they have this huge dysphoric attack when they're like big and muscly and stuff, and they're like, "What have I done? I hate this." And then they have to go down for being a built bodybuilder, which takes a lot of um, a lot of big dietary changes and a long time to reduce that amount of muscle. Yeah. So the best thing you can do really is look things up and go to a professional. But that also depends where you are. Because if you're looking for a therapist, it's probably going to be expensive because um, so NHS queues are really long, so that takes the piss. And if it's you're in America, in the United States, no matter exactly, what, yeah, exactly. So whichever way, if you don't want to be waiting two years to see maybe if I am or not from like a professional, um, best thing to do is do some reading, ask people. You ask some people. That's good. It's a good start. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to message any either of us directly, by the way, I know, yeah. Or you just, okay, so I'm addressing the person the question now, if you're listening, which I suspect you are because you asked a question. Um, if you're feeling bad about this, ring me up. We'll go have a drink. We can discuss it. I can bring a couple of large gender non-conforming friends along and we can have a thing about it. Or also, if you don't feel comfortable with that, about that, that's fine. You do you. But I want to open up all avenues to help uh, to help out because i care about you and you're pretty cool um this has been a personal <laughs> message <laughs> you do feel like a little a little jingle there or something yeah um <laughs> one thing that i wanted to bring up also aside from the pathological disorders that exist and are very real and probably underdiagnosed, um there are like a lot a lot of scientific studies on the role of media in creating body image problems and a lot of the research is specifically about women but there there's also studies that include body dissatisfaction with men and even with children because like okay you're basically right in that you need to look at what you have problems with on your body and if you find yourself thinking taking hormones of the opposite sex whatever uh is going to make this look better like more like i want it to um that is going to definitely be a tell for if you're trans um if not like it's totally normal to have a bad sense of body image because of the culture that we live in so like it while it can be difficult to tell the difference between like I feel uncomfortable with my body because of all these messages that I've been told about my body and like I feel like really bad and all kinds of things because my body is basically betraying my identity it's not representing what's going on actually with me internally like it's it's tough to tell but either way, therapy is a good option, like, if you can get it, because having standard run-of-the-mill body image problems, like, is really common, first of all, and you can help 
or you can get help with therapy. And in addition to that, if you have a more serious problem, like an eating disorder or body dysmorphia or gender dysphoria, then being at a therapist is a good place to hash out those issues and like figure out what's actually going on with you. Like if you can at all possible go to a therapist, it's probably what you need. I concur 100%. I was going to bring that up as well, the media stuff, because the thing is, even before you can realize what's going on in, say, West Site, for example, because I don't live in, say, China or Africa and stuff, thing, um, you, you'll grow up and you're bombarded with images of people who look, who most, for the most part, look a certain way. And it's easy to think, oh, I don't look like this person. What's wrong with me? And I guess that's what fuels a lot of. I, this is completely. This could be complete bullshit. But a lot of what can what fuel fuels a lot of anxiety in, say, especially young women. But a lot of young people growing up is seeing this around and thinking like, I don't look like what I'm supposed to look like. This is what say women are supposed to look like. This is what men are supposed to look like. And I look either too too skinny, too fat, too broad, too thin, you know, too um, spotty, too jaundiced. I don't know. Too full of beans, too full and of beans. like <laughs> too many beans. But like, but it's and it's and you can't separate entirely ever yourself from society and the messages that society has instilled within you. That's who we are as humans. We're social animals. We grow up with the image of each other constantly on our minds, unless there's some other reason for not. And part of who we are and part of what shapes our personalities is the culture we grew up in. It's like, it's not all genetic or even even like just what how you're raised. A lot of it's just where you grow up and the messages you absorb and the media you take in. It's hard to separate yourself from. And I guess, I guess the, the therapy would be the best course. And thinking about um, trans issues as a possibility is a first, is a really good step because it's easy to sit there and say like, I hate my body. Like, what can I do about it? And it's, it's hard to actually be able to do something about it and try and work out what the root cause of the problems is and take some steps towards fixing it because that's going to lead you closer to happiness. If you can find it, you can find a cause of that. Um, but yeah, body image issues are super real. Um, a lot of, uh, we are served badly by the fact that everyone TV and movies is just super fucking hot. Like, especially the women. Like, you have people like Danny DeVito on TV, but you don't have many female equivalents. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I mean, I wouldn't know what the female equivalent of Danny DeVito would be. I feel like the lady who plays Mac's mom is pretty close. <laughs> is that fair? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess. That's one of the closest you can get. That was an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia reference for those who don't know. There's going to be a few of those. I've just That's I'm, funny. I'm, were we not talking about that in the last episode? <laughs> we were. We were. I just finished season six as well. I'm, I can't believe I'm only halfway through. It's been so, so long. Yeah. I crashed through it twice in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, it was crazy. I just let it play yeah. all day long while I was doing other stuff. Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, like, to be fair, that, that sh- that's one thing, about, one thing that's sort of relevant about that show for, for this episode is that the, sort of the way they react, the characters in that react are sort of like the most cynical view of a lot of the world and society we live in. 
So if you find yourself agreeing with what they're saying half the time, then you probably have some issues to deal with. Uh, yeah. I love the uh, episode where, I think this is relatively late in the show, but they uh, all go to Dee's therapist with her. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, I've not seen that one. Oh, it's amazing. It's so good. Especially because um, Dennis, like, thinks of himself as a psychologist. And it's actually also pertinent to the discussion because the character Mac has, like, body dysmorphic disorder, which the therapist points out. Um, or she's, she brings up the possibility and then Dennis comes in and he's like, you know, you're, you picked up on that really quick there, like his body dysmorphic disorder. And I like, so there is a character in the show who actually does have body image problems in addition to be a closeted homosexual, but that's another thing entirely. I still haven't got to the bit where he comes out as that. It's been six seasons in. What's going on? Ah, uh, it takes a while. He like comes out and then goes back in and then comes out and it's all... Yeah, confusing. We talked about medicals. Carmen before, but whenever we do like another media episode, we need to talk about Carmen again because I forgot that she has a name because the waitress doesn't have a name. No, the waitress is the waitress, but Carmen is—I mean, the tranny is Carmen. Sorry. Yeah. This. She actually has a name uh, later on, which is good. Language. That's episode language. four. That's episode four of the whole show. She turns up a few times. No, I know. I'm just saying that like <laughs> they go there on episode four of the first season. I mean, isn't the first episode the black? It's about one, racism, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it's called the gang gets racist. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, <laughs> we just uh, we're just gushing about this show all the time. <laughs> it's good. I don't know. I like it. I mean, it's bad, but it's good. Um, exactly. I do want to bring this back to some serious topic though, because I uh, it's blopped up in my head a couple of times, and I keep not getting around to it. But um, there is such a thing as developing a disorder over time, just like you can develop allergies over time. And it is really not uncommon for people who are trans to end up developing eating disorders. And I know of at least three examples of like trans men who like went through a period of time where they were basically starving themselves to reduce the like because of where the fat goes on your body like they were basically starving themselves so that they wouldn't have feminine curvature and like to try to reduce the size of their breasts and stuff like that so if you have like if if you're having body issues that you feel are serious enough to address in any way and it has even the slightest possibility of being related to gender dysphoria like it really is something that you should address quickly because like, I it mean, can turn I, something worse. It, yeah, like, it literally, you can develop an eating disorder. <coughs> I, I was at a point a few years back where I, I knew <coughs> that based on the circumstances, I was putting myself in a position where I could be at risk for developing an eating disorder, which sounds weird, but it's, like, comorbidity. So many of these things. Like, I have depression because of my post-traumatic stress disorder, and, I, you know, I have ADHD as, like, a side part of my brain already being broken. You know what I mean? Like, so many of these psychological things have comorbidity. So you need to be careful. It's true. And I'm sort of, I'd have to put my hand up there and say that I was borderline eating disorder for a while there. I did, um, I did, I th- have I talked about this on the podcast before? I, I don't, I don't in, uh, before I started taking hormones, I was really unhappy with my weight. I'd gained a lot in the last year. I was kind of, you know, I was kind of, I was depressed because I was trans and stuff. And when I finally worked that out, 
I had this idea that I'd lose a lot of weight before I started hormones because I couldn't get on them for a while because of the NHS. So I started having one meal a day and I did that for about six months and I lost five stone, which is a lot. And then I ended up um, basically getting really dizzy and having to lie down a lot and just like not being in a healthy position at all. And I, a lot of that was just like not wanting my body and thinking that a slimmer shape would look more feminine. And the sad thing is it kind of did for a while and it's kind of heartbreaking, but yeah, so it's very easy to fall into the trap even like if you think you're healthy, which I did for most of it. It sneaks up on you. Like, that's the, yeah. that's the most worrying type, is the type that it seems normal in your mind when you're doing it. Like, that is what an eating disorder is, basically. It's like, it's normal to eat only once a day or to limit your calories in, like, this much. You know, it's that it's not being a big deal that turns it into something that could potentially become fatal. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I. If you. Yeah. If you feel like you need. Intervention. Find some. I suppose. Um. There are places. If you do feel like you take testosterone at some point. Um. There are. There are places in. In this. In the city you live in that should. Do bridging hormones and have been known to do bridging hormones, which basically. They will give you hormones until the gender clinic can get to you. I've not had this experience myself, but I've heard it from a mutual friend of ours. Um, I don't know how that went, but I've heard of it. Private healthcare is also a thing. Um, there's an N- the, we have the NHS episode if you want to get into that. It's super long and boring, but it's got the information in it. Um, yeah, ther- therapy would be the first step. See a counsellor, actually, because counsellors are free and therapists are expensive. Um, if you have money to see a therapist, so perfectly gender therapist, so that if you, that subject comes up, they can confirm, that would be ideal. It's sort of expensive, but in the long term, it saves you a lot of, it could save you a lot of hardship and a lot of money, honestly. And one of the big things I was talking about with um, someone else earlier about um, trying to solve the, all the trans stuff by yourself is that you do end up spending a lot of money on it. And a lot of that, and it might have been cheaper in the end of the day for me to have gone to pr- gone privately to start with, and I probably would have saved a lot of money by investing some money into it. So it's worth thinking about if it's going to save you happiness to just answer these questions straight away, even if it's going to set you back financially in the short term. Yep. I wonder, um, I don't really know how exactly it works with insurance um, since I'm based in the U.S., but... I would say I would say it's probably more likely to be covered if it isn't a gender therapist, but I also know that a lot of trans people don't even have insurance. So like basically the first thing that you can do is just talk to people who you know have had body image problems, like make sure that it's okay, like hey, I want to talk to you about this sometime. Can you like and give them time to prepare themselves and, you know, because if you're having an issue, then they might have had the same issue and you might end up, like, triggering them. So make sure that, like, your friends are able to talk to you about these things. But once you get past that point, like, talk to friends who are having problems with the same parts of their body or, like, you know, to see if 
sometimes it just helps to have a person around you who can tell you objectively, like, no, you're not fat or whatever, like whatever the thing is, like it, it, the first thing you do is talk to a friend or a family member. If you have support there, if you are worried that you are trans and your parents are not going to help you, you could tell them that you're having like just depression issues or like, like that you're worried about developing an eating disorder and that might be more likely to get parents and insurance on board with your therapy. Um, yeah, basically, and and there's also places here in the United States, like, I know I realize that not every state is very well funded in terms of public mental health care stuff, but where I live, it's a college town and it's relatively democratic, I guess, but there's a clinic here that you can go to and there's a sliding scale for if you like are unemployed or don't make very much money and don't have insurance. So if there's, there are public ways to get therapy and medications in the United States. Like you might also end up going in debt, which is a thing that can happen, but, um, you can, you can work around payment plans or like get a credit card. Basically those are, those are valid oh. options. <laughs> I mean, yeah, once you're an adult, you can take out a credit card on it, and it might be worth it in the long term. Yeah. Um, they're also, depending on who you are, there are also places that can help you. Like, if you're young, there'll be like there might be some LGBT youth groups that could help you like fund mm-hmm. this sort of thing. Um, Mermaids in the UK is good, is pretty good for LGBT youth, um, and because like obviously young people can't afford it, and they know that um, LGBT people can sometimes face a lot of hardship from their parents. Mm-hmm. There are places out there that are willing to help people. So if you look in the right places, there can be places that will help you discover who you are. There's also lots of reading you can do. Obviously, don't spend your whole life reading trying to confirm because you'll just go back and forth. And the only re- at a certain point, you're going to have to make the leap. Because before you do it, it's easy to go like, oh, no, I'll be fine. I don't feel I haven't felt any dysphoria today. And then you wait a week and then it comes crashing back. And you're like... Oh, what if I am? You read up again, you read it all, and then you go back, and you're like, no, I'm not dysphoric today. Yeah. Um, it's just to try to convince waves. yourself out of it. Exactly, exactly. And like, I did that for years, you know? I told my I told my ex um, when, I, when we were going out, I said, like, oh, I'm, I'll never transition, don't worry. I'm not going to change. She's like, oh, good. And mm. like I, th- I said, like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I just call myself genderqueer. I'll just change my presentation every once in a while. It'll be fine doesn't work for everyone. For some people that works, some people it doesn't. Um, and they're done that. Yeah. Like you can experiment with that sort of thing. Like if you want to present more androgynously, um, use they pronouns more often. Um, ask people to use them. Um, you can try out new names with your friends. Yeah, see if that makes you feel better. Um, yeah, it's, if you do the things that lean you towards the presentation you're looking for, Maybe if you see a glimmer of hope there, if you find you enjoying that, maybe that's a good sign. A lot of this is just, though, trying to find little bits and pieces to add to the diagnosis, which is what a therapist will do, but with a more expert knowledge. Um, And in the end, that's what most trans people have to end up going through. We don't have informed consent clinics in the UK, so you can't go in and say, I want this and sign a form, even though it's not actually that simple. Um... You're going to need to go through a therapist at some point. And it might be beneficial to you, especially if you're confused about it, to see a therapist. And I think that's probably the bottom line. Yeah. I had something 
that I was going to expand on, and I don't remember what it is. <sighs> and the lawn mowing thing is happening right now, so I'm Oh, like, I can't mm. hear the lawn mower this time. You can't? Okay, well, you'll be able to hear no. it in the recording, because I can see it on Audacity. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> I um, could probably do some hard editing to try and get it out, but it might, might even make your voice sound a bit washed out in the end. Okay, well, please don't do that. Okay. <laughs> I listen to our our own podcast. Someone's uh, got to. Yes, someone's got to. <laughs> Let's see, body dysphoria. We're talking about uh, psychiatry, mental health insurance. I don't know. I cannot remember where it's I was. About society at. thing, maybe. I don't know. I have literally no idea. Okay, so you said before you wanted to go on like a sociology rant. I don't know if you still wanted to. But... Oh, I mean, basically the soci rant is that there's a bunch of different media messages being told to you by a lot of different people, like including our own parents will put like expectations on us for expectations for both gender performance and for like body perfection. Like apparently, it's fairly common in some Korean families to have, like, ridiculously high expectations of perfection, including, like, having a perfect body. So, yeah, like, one of the Try Guys from BuzzFeed is Korean and has at least some minor body dysmorphia and possibly, like, anorexia athletica because of those expectations being set upon you, like, from such a young age. Mm. And if it's literally everywhere it's hard not to feel uncomfortable about your body. Like, I personally, I feel right now like a very unattractive person, and it's not because I've gained weight, although I have, like, and that that's actually a good thing. I wanted to gain weight. I switched antidepressants so that I could gain weight, so that's good. But, like, the fat is going places where it didn't go before, and in addition to that, like, I feel like I miss my curves, and that I've sort of made myself into like basically like a non-binary body and I don't think that I'm very attractive and it kind of sucks. So like that's another thing to consider with hormones is that you can't pick and choose which things are going to change and if you go in you can come back out but it's not always as easy. So it's like a good idea to be sure but at the same time I don't know. Like, don't drag <laughs> on it forever. This is the thing, yeah. Because because in the end, like, as past a certain point, a lot of the changes, like, some changes are permanent. Obviously, a lot of them are reversible. But at a certain point, you're going to be going, you're committing to this body change. And that's why, I guess that's why it's such a big decision and why people hesitate so much. Um, but if you hesitate forever, it's only going to get worse. So if this is dysphoria, you don't want to leave it hanging forever. Because then you get people who come on and they come on the internet that's like, I wish I did this 20 years ago. And when you're younger, especially if, you're, um, if your puberty hasn't completely finished, you stand a lot better chance of passing quickly and stuff like that. And there's a lot of benefits to starting younger. Not, to, not that starting older is bad, because I've, I've done it. <laughs> but yeah. It's um, just easier. Yeah, yeah, and like say, like I'll, I'll be, I'll be upfront about this. Like I'd be much more attractive if I'd started before, like ten years ago. Like if if I could have done it before, it was like this height, 
and like this wide and had my ribcage be this big and other stuff mm-hmm. like that like i would be more attracted that's just i mean i i'm i guess attracted and subjective but in my view i would have been and that's i mean it's okay to admit i mean i i would have done better i mean the society was back back then was a lot shitter about it so i might have been bullied to death but uh, if i if it had worked if it had worked and I would have lived through it, then I'm, I'd be a lot happier for it. But this, this the card you've been dealt, and there's no point in regretting it. I mean, you're the age you are now. If the, 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 the best time, the, the second best time maybe maybe was 10 years ago, but, this, but the, <laughs> you can only do it right now, and right now is a lot better than in 10 years. Um, not that we're encouraging you to jump in the deep end. I mean, kind of. But... Well, I would say that uh, the best advice in that type of situation would be to go on hormone blockers if you can. Like, if you suspect that you're having issues that are specifically about your sex characteristics, like, you can go on hormone blockers. And you might even be able to use uh, an endometriosis diagnosis in order to get hormone blockers or... Like I don't, I don't know, but there are probably legitimate medical things that you could come up with, and be like, I have this sort of thing going on, or like maybe even, I might be developing an eating disorder, so I want to like reduce the hormones in my body so that I can like be more calm in my like f- doing of my life shit. You know, like there's probably legit reasons, and going on Perhaps. blockers is it's standard practice for trans women anyway to go on blockers typically before you go on estrogen or whatever but um i would like to see that being more common like especially for teenagers or preteens or uh, yeah however young they are you know you obviously you don't need hormone blockers until your like hormone levels are actually starting to rise but yeah i, I in do teenagers think that that it's fairly common good. yeah yeah i will say though if you're willing to it's i would encourage you to try and get the help you need at the same time if at the moment in the current state of the NHS, if you get yourself a diagnosis for a mental for a, for a mental illness that isn't trans related, or an eating disorder, or something similar, it will affect your diagnosis and the way that people treat you when you go to get hormones the official route, and that's just the way that the NHS works. If you have a mental, if you have like say depression, they'll be like, okay, we need to get your depression sorted out before we'll even touch you. Go back to the back of the queue. Same Which- with. It's taken five years for me to come up with something resembling like a functional medication regimen for my my depression lol exactly and i've known people like with the same time scale like years and years to sort out it's ridiculous but it's just the way it is so you do these things at your own risk basically yep yeah would you say um if you were pretend that you were isolated from society and you sure. didn't you didn't grow up with images of what women are supposed to look like, quote unquote, scare quotes. Um, mm. Do you think you would still consider yourself less attractive as a trans woman, like having not started hormones until relatively later in adulthood? Like if you were isolated from the world and or like, say, uh, a- an additional factor to that is like you're asexual would you still feel like you wanted to have GRS? I think so. I mean, I can see other women around me. I know that I'm bigger than most of them. And not just in, like, a body fat percentage weight. <laughs> but, like, in terms of, say, like, just muscle mass, even though I've lost a lot, there's still a lot there. 
um, just the size of my rib cage. The like, I'm five eleven. Like a lot, most people that I hang around, most girls that I hang around with are much shorter than that. Um, and even those that aren't probably skinnier than me. And I guess that's a lot of it is like seeing that body image. I'm being like, oh, I if you if I could look like more like this person, it'd be easier on me. Um, all of it is also partially due to the fact that I know what I was like before, and so I can see so the parts of me that used to be very... So my shoulders and arms and back were all very muscly before, and they're still quite muscly now that I know it as much, but the remains of that musculature do still sort of set me off sometimes, and they are, like, some of my least favourite favorite parts of my body. Um, even though, like, they've gone down, they're still not... They're still there, and they remind me of what was even worse there before. Um, I think so. I think it's hard to separate, but like, even if you take out, say, the society's influence on me, there's still society itself is still there. And like, unless I'm put in a situation where I'm literally a feral child, yeah, um, and I can't, I can't answer that for, honestly because of not done the experiment on it. But from what it seems from the evidence we have about trans people. I would still have the problem, but I wouldn't know how to deal with it because I wouldn't have developed any social skills. I wouldn't be able to communicate. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I've never, just on a physiologi- phys- physical level, I've never been a fan of my downstairs. Like, I didn't realise how indifferent I was to it from before. I just, like, it was there and it did some things. And, like, but, like, everyone, all the guys around me seems to, like, have some big complex about it. And I just kind of, like, didn't really give a shit about it. And that indifference and that apathy to it did sort of has sort of become resentful in some aspects of my life. Um, so I feel like I would. And if you look at the, the past, say, like, the, we had different beauty standards in the past. If in the ancient Roman period, if the Roman emperor Elagabalus was asking people to, who could make him a vagina, um, I think we can be pretty sure that those same queries, the same distresses still existed because the... Um, ancient Roman um, ideals of beauty were very different to ours, and they treated women very poorly. And so I think so. I think it is one of these things that is sort of innate in a lot of ways. I can't... Obviously, there's not many studies on this because no one wants to study trans people, but they're starting to. Maybe we'll have more concrete answers later. But I suspect it would be the same. Um, I mean, you'd have worked out for yourself, right, at some point. Oh, I have no idea. I I was one of those people who, like, in a lot of different aspects of my life, um, didn't really think about things until they were brought to my attention. And I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, So, like, I didn't really think about whether or not I was attracted to women. Although now I've been thinking about it this last couple of weeks, and I'm like, okay, that was definitely an instance where I was attracted to a female and, like, didn't even register or notice or, like, think about it very much when I was a kid. Yeah. Because I just didn't look very deeply into things, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons. But, uh, yeah, I didn't I mean, think I, about... Hmm. I see. I mean, I was I was that kid that used to sit around, just go sit home and just read encyclopedias all day, you know? Like, I was absorbed in facts. I wasn't thinking about my body until it sort of snuck up on me and started attacking me on a psychological level. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. It, and it was someone else being trans that, like, even... I think allowed my brain to finally have that breakdown. Yeah. Because yeah, like I don't know, I I just didn't did never really think about it, and it, even then, it took a couple of years from when I had someone who I knew who came out as trans, and then like my actual breakdown, like it was at least a year, 
Yeah. I'm pretty certain. So I don't, I have no idea what happened to my brain. (laughs) (laughs) This is the thing that even when you know it, it's hard to put it, to internalize it and apply it to yourself. Like I think a lot of us for years knew what trans people were. And even when you do, it's not like you don't think about this as suddenly like, oh, that could be me. And that's a big moment for most of us. And it doesn't, and I guess some of the ways that we've talked about on this podcast might make it seem like it was instant realization for us. But for for me, at least, I know it was a long process of acceptance. And it's not one of these things that you just know. Like, the, the questioning you're having is very normal. And it's very healthy. And I do it would encourage you to go down that rabbit hole. But if these questions are still niggling on, on you after so long, the, the chances of you being trans are still, they're increasing in my mind, you know? Yeah. I think uh, a really interesting way of thinking of things is, like, sometimes we put off making decisions because we don't want to have to make a decision. And so we'll put this sort of imaginary goalpost of like, well, if I just have this piece of information, then I'll be able to make my decision. So like, if you find yourself imagining what you would, like what your decision would be if you did have that piece of information and it's pinging back as like, not quite right, then like you need to query, like you you need to submit a different query to your own brain basically. Like, you have to figure out what your brain is making connections on, like, what you're trying to avoid making connections on. It's very it's very tricky trying to figure out if you're just stalling on making a decision or if you're genuinely, like, waiting for a new piece of information. So just try to imagine what you would do in a situation like, okay, I have this piece of information now. How would I go forward? And, you know, if you continue to put it off past that point, then you know that it's not just something that you're waiting for the right information for. It's something that you're intentionally, well, intentionally subconsciously putting off because you know what the decision is already. You just don't want to make it. That was very convoluted. No, I think that was great. I actually, yeah, I'd like to end on that if we can. (laughs) Sure. That's a good note. And um, I've run out of notes, like exhausted my notes supply. So, okay. Unless you have anything else you want to say. No, that's basically it. Just, I don't know, like, if you can make an advanced prediction of what you're going to be thinking later on, then try to behave as though you've already made the decision because you know that you've already made it. Like, if you know that you're trans and you're just asking because you're like, oh, maybe it's something else, then you're maybe, maybe, like, what is it? Is it Occam's razor? Like, yeah, cut off the more convoluted things because uh, it could be a lot simpler. Yeah, 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 yeah. The simplest solution is usually the correct one. That's a, that's not the correct interpretation of Locker's Razor, but I can't remember the direct, the actual correct interpretation. That's close enough for now. Um, yeah. <laughs> that'll do. <laughs> this has been your um, your logic podcast, the logic side of the podcast. The last three seconds. Um, that's philosophy or something, right? That's philosophy. It's logic, philosophy. Logic's part of philosophy. Uh, It's, yeah, philosophical discipline, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I hope that helped. I do. If it didn't, I'm very sorry. Um, you can still talk to us. Uh, 
<laughs> send us another question uh, transatlanticpod at gmail.com we will endeavour to answer it um, always happy to help anyone in future want anything um, if, you, if you just want to ask a question if you want us to pop down to the shop and get you some milk um, just send us an email um, or tweet us transatl podcast uh, facebook transatlanticpod all those lovely places where you can ask us questions um, so make suggestions um, nudge us whatever whether they do on Facebook poke do they still do pokes no one pokes anymore the, uh, the pokes yeah but not on pages I don't think you can poke a page well you can try yeah. if you send if you send us a poke we will read it out on the podcast and it, it yeah, will just totally. say it will just say poke but we'll read it anyway um, what else yes um, did theme you song, say the email always, I did say the email transatlanticpod at gmail.com it's important um, uh, run, the music is Runaway by George Gad. he's a lovely 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 boy um, go buy his stuff Bandcamp link in the show notes as always um, well not as always as I'm from like three weeks ago uh, <laughs> by the time this comes out we should have Patreon up I need to do some things to the page first but um, Lux has set most of it up and it's looking pretty good so drop us some money Drop Lux some money because they need it. Um, send me some cash and in my through my post box. I won't tell anyone. Um, I would like some money. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the URL. <laughs> the URL for the Patreon is www.com/slash/patreon.com/slash. Uh, probably transatlantic. I think it's just transatlantic. God, I love that about Patreon. There's few enough people that you can just get whatever like link you want. And mine, it, if you want to look at it, is uh, patreon.com slash Luxander. Yeah, and I'll add those Patreons the to the show notes when they when I remember to. I'll put I'll put Lux, I should put yours up on like this week, really. Cool. Um, <laughs> One of the rewards is gonna be having your name read aloud at the end of the podcast. So you know, if you want your name read aloud, we'll do yeah. that. Or well, if you want someone else's name read aloud, that'd be pretty cool. You can yeah, make up your own name for yourself. Shout outs, whatever. If you want us to call you, say like Grandmaster Flash 3000 or whatever, we can do that. We can call you like Space Captain Zeta Jones. We should, we should totally um, have a shout out tier. That would be awesome. We should. And then we'll shout you out and it'll be great. And shout out yeah. in a good way, not like we'll shout you down. Um, that would be bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anything else we need to? I, th- I think that was it, right? That was, that was pretty good. We stretched a, an answer to one question into almost an hour. I think we did good. This is the thing. When we have more questions, we won't have to stretch it so much. Or yeah, could... so send us questions, goddammit. Yeah, or if we have a short topic, we might throw in a question at the end or two. Um, it really yes. depends. I felt, like, I felt like since this is the first question worth a go, and because there was a lot to it, it could have been a half an hour long podcast, but we, you know, that's not our format. So we stretched it. I hope that's okay. Okay. Extended outro. Yes. Extended, bye extended bye. outro. Only, nah, <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. See you later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs>